Hi, welcome to another episode of Paul Tom Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paulton. Today I've got Steve Grady. He's with Simbet. They make uh, chip scale batteries for uh, micro and nano power energy storage. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, energy harvesting. Isn't that right, Steve? That's right, Alex. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. Well, uh, I want to have you on because there are so many aspects when you talk about energy harvesting. Um, You've got the aspect of small applications like just memory management, you know, keeping something charged so that the memory doesn't run out, to driving sensors, to even possibly eventually controlling uh, RFID and wireless nodes in an Internet of Things uh, that in, in starts to include passive devices even because they'll self-generate their power. But in all of it, you gotta, there are big things, right? The three things are you've got to collect the power, you've got to manage the power, and you've got to store the power. What do you see on that? Where's your viewpoint? You're, you're definitely one of the legs of the stool. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, there's been some, some kind of interesting trends over the last five years in the energy harvesting space. Um, at first, everybody sort of just wanted to experiment with it and, and show that you could sort of do it, whether that was collecting solar power using solar cells or PVs, maybe trying to capture thermal gradients using thermoelectric generators, trying to capture the energy and motion vibration with, say, maybe piezo harvesters. So there was a kind of the experimentation phase on can it work? And, and in a lot of cases, yes. Then the question is, so how do we really use it in lieu of using batteries? And there are some key trends that are really starting to come together now. Uh, the first is that the electronics are ultra-low power. So there's really been a lot of focus. You can see in the press a lot of reports around this microcontroller now runs at, at, at this rate and it sleeps at just a few nanoamps and um, low-power clocks, low-power radios. Everybody's trying to take power out of their system. And the reason they do that is for two things, A, to make it small, but also that it can run a long time on a particular amount of energy stored in the system. And that's coupled now, of course, with um, the Internet of Things, and everything's becoming smart. So we've got sensors placed in just about everything. It might be your refrigerator, might be your clothes, might be your home energy controls, might be your car. Um, But not that they're smart, they have to talk, so everything's become wireless as well. So now you've got this pervasive smart wireless network, and the devices, though, are becoming very small and tiny and integrated. So we're taking all these capabilities and trying to get them into a very small package. But lastly, you do have to power them, to your point. And uh, if you put a coin cell battery or primary-type battery, it's going to wear out and need to be changed. In a lot of cases, these, say, Internet of Things sensors, these small devices are going to be in places where it's impractical to change the batteries. So you've got these really interesting trends where everything's becoming integrated and smart, but now you have to have a, a power source to be able to power that over the life of the product, and that's really now where energy harvesting is picking up a lot of steam. We've seen a second wave, a, a real renaissance in the energy harvesting area, really driven around um, not only Internet of Things, but all the new wearable products. We see the examples of uh, the Fitbits and the watches and the, the patches and the shirts and the smart shoes and all sorts of things. Um, this whole Internet of Things is really starting to, really pick up steam with the wearables as well. So all these trends come together, and you need a power source that can integrate in. And the reason that Simbit built our batteries the way we did is we built them on silicon wafers. So they're actually constructed like an integrated circuit. We even use the assembly techniques that IC manufacturers do to build them. So we build them on silicon wafers. 
you dice and grind the little the little die, the batteries, and they can either be used as a bare die or in a packaged part. And our customers uh, use either configuration depending on what they're trying to do. But now that this Enerchip battery, we call it, this rechargeable solid-state battery, can be integrated with other ICs using the same kind of attachment techniques. You can attach an inner chip using wire bonds or flip chip, and they can go now right inside with the other integrated circuits, so you can actually take these Internet of Things and actually literally make a system-on chip out of it with the battery inside. So um, we're really seeing a lot of exciting applications in all industries of uh, these kinds of tiny integrated sensors that are not only intelligent, but are also using these energy harvesting mechanisms to power the device for the life of the device, and everything's all built in. Right, right. Now, Steve, one of the issues that come up to me is it's got to be an efficient way to store. How, what kind of transfer losses exist between getting that power from the converter, and then let's not even think about the losses in the converter itself, but let's say the, the, whatever losses the converter has from that point into the battery and then back out of the battery, what kind of uh, efficiency cycle are we looking at? Sure. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting challenge because all of the energy harvesting transducers I spoke of a couple minutes ago all have these very unique characteristics. You know, solar cells have a variable impedance, and, and they have a certain voltage range that they operate at. But thermoelectric generators are a fixed impedance over an interesting voltage range. And then piezos, of course, give off an AC waveform, typically, as they're vibrating. And in some cases, that could be upwards of even 40 volts. So you've got all these really interesting input conditions that you have to deal with. So quite often, you're going to need a front-end power conversion stage that, that matches that. Um, and you can see that in devices, say, from um, Linear Tech and, and uh, TI and Symbit uh, uh, and others uh, who are doing these energy harvesting front ends, um, you typically have to match them so that you can really match the characteristics of the, uh, of the transducer. The efficiencies there can be uh, upwards of over 90%, especially if you're using peak power tracking algorithms or MPPT mm-hmm. um, techniques to actually sit and stay at the maximum peak power point. So you're always harvesting the most energy there. Um, so it's fairly efficient. And then uh, the storage, of course, um, efficiency is of, not just around conversion, but also around storage effectivity. Um, You can use kind of two storage devices. You can use a supercapacitor kind of device, or you could use a rechargeable battery, typically, as the energy store. If you're outdoors and you're really producing a lot of energy and maybe you have to only hold your system over for a short amount of time, um, supercapacitors can work pretty well, but they tend to be fairly leaky. Uh, You spend a lot of energy keeping them charged, whereas uh, something like a solid-state rechargeable battery holds its charge extraordinarily well. So... There's some design trade-offs there. If you can stand the losing the energy, which, again, is to your efficiency question, um, you know, that might work in some conditions. But we find a lot of our customers want to be able to retain the energy they harvested. Because in these micro-harvesters, oftentimes there's not a lot. Every jewel is precious here. Every micro-jewel, actually, is precious. So um, you need to be able to retain the energy well. And then, of course, you deliver it to the system properly. Now, here's the interesting thing, Alex, around designing energy harvesting-based systems, a very holistic thing. Um, We find there's more problems how the power is managed in how the microcontroller code and the radio code operates and the protocols that are used 
Um, you have to be very careful about how to manage the energy. You certainly, you know, gone to the days of, of running, uh, you know, do loops on and in, on your processor, just sit there waiting for things to happen and run the processor full bore. You have to be interrupt driven. Exactly. You have to change your code. So we've had a lot of uh, folks come to us and say, "Gosh, you know, Simba, I'd love to replace my my battery with energy harvester." And we say, "Great! Now are you ready to change your code and maybe your wireless stack, and certainly your initialization sequence when you come up from a dead start to, to properly power manage through all those processes?" And they kind of swallow in some cases say yes, in some cases say no. So surprisingly, one of the biggest challenges we have in running these energy harvesting powered systems isn't necessarily in the power chain. It's what happens, how the power is used once you present it to the sensor, the microcontroller, and the radio. That's sometimes the the most uh, inefficient part of a design, and you have to pay a lot of attention to what's going on in the various use modes of the device. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got it. Now, what uh, assistance, and you said you, you, know, you suggested them to do this and to do that, uh, what assistance do you provide? Can you actually help a company uh, set up their entire energy harvesting system, optimize what they have? What level of support do you provide to people trying to create these systems? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of levels there. The, the first is just to sort of try it out. Simbit has a number of evaluation kits that uh, allow people to try energy harvesting. We have uh, a couple of those. One is a fairly simple solar kit. In this case, the Enerchip, we developed an ASIC to go along with the Enerchip, and it's co-packaged all in the same device. So uh, an Enerchip CC actually has a a PMIC, a power management IC, co-packaged with the battery in the same package. And on that Eval 10 kit, you actually tie the solar cell input to the Enerchip stores the energy and presents the output then, and we have uh, different connectors for uh, different radio kits. You can actually create a solar energy harvesting wireless sensor node um, out of that very simple kit. Then we have another kit, the Eval 9. Now, this one has multiple inputs for all the different kinds of transducers I spoke of earlier. So it has an input stage for solar or an input stage for uh, piezo or an input stage for uh, TIGs or electromagnetic. Uh, we, you tie it to little uh, people doing flow, whether it's air or fluid, almost literally want to use um, a windmill, right, and uh, magnet over coils mm-hmm. and create energy that way. Uh, the bicycle tires, and we had an interesting design where somebody wanted to harvest the energy off of a wheel on a shopping cart to uh, <laughs> be able to track the cart. You know, that was going to power the, the cart tracker so uh, people didn't wander off with their shopping carts. Um, so Got there's it. lots of different ways to, to harvest the energy. But in that Eval 9 kit, engineers can trial these different modalities, plug things in. Now, that has a maximum peak power tracking power chip on it. Our energy processor is on that card that does these maximum peak power tracking algorithms we talked about to maximize the power. Right has the inner chips on there, and then again, you can plug in the different radios and sensors on the other side of the card. So um, neat ways to really experiment with that. Once you've sort of played around with it, then we're going to sit, and uh, we have some materials on Simit.com to kind of talk about what are the key steps for successful energy harvesting design. And we break that down into four areas. The, the, just really quickly here, and again, you can find this information on Simit.com, but you really have to determine the energy available from your environment. Um, is it outdoors? Is the sun coming up? 
if you're doing harvesting, what time, how long, what's the intensity. Uh, it's obviously going to go down for the night. Uh, how does temperature affect uh, your device? Um, and then how are you going to harvest it as efficiently as possible? Step two is really how to do it cost-effectively, but also make sure that you collect enough power to be able to power your design. Then you have to calculate your application power requirements in all the use modes. I'll give you an important example of this. We are working with some guys doing uh, Bluetooth LE stacks. And um, previously, they had always had a, a primary battery, maybe a coin cell was sitting there. So they could stay turned on for a long time when you first come up and register the device and talk to the other end of the Bluetooth. Say it's like a Bluetooth headset in your phone. It, it, mm -hmm. You can't really do that energy harvesting. If you stay on that long, you'll basically drain the entire system, and you may never initialize. So we had to work with them to break that into chunks so that you used the right amount of power to really get the system up and running without exhausting your battery before you even got started. Um, so there's any number of use modes a device is going to go through, and you have to calculate the power requirements for that. And then you can storage, mm -hmm. um, size the storage device, for this, the batteries, for times when the ambient energy is not available. Because you've got to think of this almost as a variable battery um, in terms of an right. energy harvesting system. And so if you kind of go through those four key steps, you can actually develop a, a fairly robust design and use energy harvesting to, to power the product. Right, right, right. Now, I understand you're going to be showing these um, your solutions at a upcoming show, correct? Yeah, uh, ID Tech X is uh, having their annual uh, energy harvesting show. They've combined it with printed electronics along with uh, some sub-shows around supercapacitors and wireless sensor nodes. So they've done a, mm -hmm. an interesting thing. It's kind of bring all those under one tent, and I, that's really neat because then a lot of people will attend, and they're very complimentary. Because, again, a lot of these kinds of systems are going to be built on you know, flexible substrates and using printed electronics makes a lot of sense because we talked earlier about tiny, thin, small. Um, that's the technology you're going to use to, to build these kinds of devices. Um, and as we're there, we're going to be uh, actually demonstrating some, uh, some really you know, rather uh, interesting technologies. There's... Uh, some new things that we've tied to um, our evaluation kits with other partners. One is SolChip. This is a group out of Israel that are building a tiny photovoltaic cell on uh, basically a chip. It, it looks like a chip. It's about 10 millimeter mm -hmm. by 10 millimeter. Um, goes right on a board. It, it kind of just looks like a big IC with a solar panel on top. And uh, right. fantastic for outdoor use. Um, Speller, uh, solar. They do this really interesting sort of solar bud. The device looks like an LED, a big LED almost. It's, it's spherical. It's plastic. Like, a, like an old a little, style. Uh, yeah, kind of, but 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 tiny. You know, the, the the cells themselves are fairly small, but you can kind of stack them together, and they could even be made of large sheets. They're 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 clear plastics. You can they're trying to translucent, which is neat. But um, these are really uh, efficient, especially in outdoors. And uh, but because it uses a dome, it means the incident light can come at all angles, and it refocuses it back down to the the little solar bud that's in the center of this kind of dome shape. So it's a really clever way to get over the angle of incident problem that most solar cells have. Um, mm -hmm. And then we're also going to have a display with Alta devices. Alta is doing gallium arsenide um, solar cells, and uh, they've got efficiencies that are approaching 30% now. So uh, thin, flexible, 
it's one of the key things with solar. You know, a lot of applications don't support glass solar cells very well. <laughs> um, you know, they're just they fragile. They can break. Uh, they can't bend them, right? And so for right. a lot of these wearables or flexible, Alta's got this neat design that they're working on and in the process of commercializing. But um, goes back to your efficiency question earlier. You know, a lot of the state of the art in a lot of the small solar devices are even sub 10 percent. And and here's Alta with uh, close to 30%, that's really huge. You know, you can get that much more energy out of the same area. Uh, it's really exciting. So uh, so that's coming along. And lastly, uh, we're doing a, kind of an interesting thing. EM Micro has got a Bluetooth low-energy wireless device that they um, are using in the advertising mode, or it's called a beacon. And the beaconing application in Bluetooth low energy is it doesn't register with the device. It just advertises a value. So you can imagine this very small device. It's almost like a transponder. Almost exactly like a transponder. And it goes, here's my number, right? So as you're walking by with your smartphone, all of a sudden it'll advertise on, on some interval that, hey, I'm number 12345. And your cell phone grabs that has the application, it goes up to the cloud, finds out what this thing is, and uh, will display the right information on your phone. So you can imagine, maybe you're in an art museum, and you're going by the Van Gogh, and the little Bluetooth beacons there that has the code that you know shows the information for Van Gogh, or you're in a store. Yeah, augmented reality by. support. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. So it's you know, obviously displayed on the phone, to augmented reality, eventually shown on your Google Glasses or whatever other uh, kind of heads-up display eventually we all might be wearing. Um, there's all sorts of interesting applications. So that's a really ultra-low power way, and we've powered that with a little solar cell and um, to show how you can energy harvesting power a device like that too. So lots of exciting applications. We're really seeing the technologies converge. And as I mentioned, this sort of second renaissance of microenergy harvesting is, is really coming to the table. I agree. I agree. We could talk forever on this. I love the topic, but unfortunately, we are short of time. But I will give you a chance to leave a last word with the audience. Yeah, you know, the the best way to get up to speed is to try some of these things. Uh, we mentioned we are at the AID Tech X show, and uh, Mauser is one of the sponsors there. Uh, they carry all of the Simbit uh, evaluation kits and, and parts. So as you want to try and play around with these things, I would encourage you to go out and uh, get some of this gear, get it up on the bench top, try it out with some of your applications, and then uh, contact us. We've got lots of resources on Simbit.com uh, in our Quick Start Design course and some of our other application notes and white papers. So a lot of information there to come up to speed pretty quickly, and we'd love to uh, work with uh, all our customers on these, these new kinds of uh, energy harvesting powered projects. Excellent. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate you coming on board to talk about all of this, and we'll definitely bring you back to talk about energy harvesting again in the future. You bet. I, I really appreciate uh, uh, your work with PSD and all the things you're doing to educate our, our customers, and I really appreciate that, Alex. Thanks very much for uh, the opportunity today. Oh, thank you, Steve. And uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without the audience. Uh, if it weren't for them, we couldn't have this show, so I hope they all tell their friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul on Power. Have a great day.